0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Truth bombs coming your way.
1: Okay, here we go. It is September 25th. I'm Heidi Hatch for this week's Take Two. We have with us, I was going to call you Greg Lugamus. Where did that come from? Greg my Hughes? gosh, I, I don't Have you ever worn I, a Speedo? I, no,
0: and I don't dive off <laughs> diving boards and hit my head on diving boards. Oh, you've got to be I'm so careful.
1: And Jim DeBacus is actually joining us. Um, through Can our you phone hear? line and, and the weird ringing. thing is is we had jim there and i've got a potential spam call coming through at the same time this is not working
0: but uh, we're nimble this is in real time see we wanted jim to join us spam,
1: are you there i just hung up on jim
0: debaccus is joining us remotely what that means ladies and gentlemen is we have a mute button that i'm looking for on uh, the control we have panel to
1: start this again it hung up on him
0: uh, that's okay I, I find nothing wrong with that we don't okay. even have to We
2: are you there Yep, as soon as we got ready to go, of course, boom, would dropped. Despite know, our best attempts, call.
0: Jim, we tried... Heidi's phone rang, and it disconnected you, and I thought that was just maybe divine intervention, but apparently...
1: No. You're meant to be <laughs> You're <with> back. Us.
2: <laughs> probably true.
1: I know. They were probably going to call and tell us that if we didn't call back real quick that we were going to be in jail because we didn't pay back our student loan debtor. I think I'm mixing some of those calls we get together, but... Thank you, everyone, for hanging out again today. I want to start with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because she passed, I think, about an hour, at least when we found out about it, after our podcast recorded last week. It's all everyone's been talking about for a week. She's lying in state today at the U.S. Capitol, the first woman ever, which I'm stepping back and thinking, how old is this country, and how is this the first time? But making history, even in her death. Uh, Jim, you're on the phone, so we're going to give you first dibs on this. Uh, Your thoughts... On the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
2: You know, she's such a remarkable justice as well as woman, and she's kind of the opposite of me in a lot of ways. She's quiet,
1: <laughs> small in stature, a woman, and not a man.
2: She's big in intellect. Um, oh. <laughs> but when she first uh, was approached to be the woman that would take all the women's rights cases to the Supreme Court, there was a there was a big argument and the majority frankly said, look, we've been waiting long enough. It's time. We have had it. We we need to go for the full enchilada and recognizing that it was all men on the court. Um, she said, no, we're not doing it that way. And she almost got fired. And her first case out of six that she took was by a military, uh, Woman who had earned her retirement, but since she was married, um, the the federal government said, "Well, there's no reason to pay her. She That's has insane. somebody to support her." She won that case, and then incrementally, she moved along until um, six or seven. She won every one of them. Uh, cases came along that that at least on the books, in a lot of places, brought relative parity to women. So that incremental step, I mean, she's just a very wise woman that really changed history. By the way, there have been 30 people who have lied in state uh, in the Capitol, and she's the first woman. So I was surprised by another, that statistic. Uh, yeah. Now it ought to be – that was 1853. Henry Clay was the first person in there. So if we wait another 153 years, what is that? About uh, 2,200 uh, or so. I'm hoping that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. So anyhow, hopefully that happens, yeah, we're, not 100 and some odd years from now. What did you think when she passed? Were you thinking, like, Republicans are thinking, like, wah, ha, ha? Well, or that, were you
0: well, thinking, no, oh, I'll, 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 I'll be completely honest. When I heard this, it was a little surreal because, um, I, and I probably looked at it, I I probably should have reflected on uh, her time on the court and then done those things. But I thought, can 2020 get more bizarre? Can it get more? Could the stakes continue to rise? Uh, We had a vacancy in the court in 16 when Justice Scalia passed away uh, towards the end of that last year of Obama's administration. And then this is happening now. Uh, I feel that this country is on edge on so many levels, and this, this would contribute to that environment and maybe, maybe magnified. So I did think about that, yeah. immediately going, are you kidding me? Here we are. I will tell you, though, that it's, it, you cannot, beyond that initial reaction, the, the story that I love the most about Justice Ginsburg is her, her, the relationship that she had with Justice Scalia, and where he was one of the most conservative stalwarts on the, on the court, and she was, uh, as appointed by Clinton, uh, maybe cut from a different political cloth. Their friendship, and how they could uh, tease one another. And I remember reading stories where she mentioned she had done something, and he quipped, oh, that's the smartest thing I think you've ever done, or something, and they all, but I love the I love the collegiality. I love that people that come from maybe different yeah. uh, perspectives can be close uh, in friendship, and I, I always loved that about Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. You'd hear stories about their personal relationship and and where we don't have much of that or any of that in politics today. That is the part of about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You'd have to be a character to get along well with Scalia to start with and to be coming from different perspectives and probably being on the dissent or majority and being on different sides of rulings as often as I would imagine they were uh, I thought that spoke well of of her and of that kind of friendship, and it was a good example. Good example for, uh, that I think I wish we saw more of in politics.
1: It reminds me of you and Jim because you're both you're <laughs> right wing, he's left wing. Don't you tell t- anyone; it's going to destroy our street I know, cred. You belong to the same bird. Yeah, <laughs> see, re, the wings. I absolutely connected.
0: reject this notion. I don't know. This it's is true. not nice. What you're saying. I
1: like that you guys are friends, and the funny thing, is, I guess, it's not funny, but I think social media has put us in that echo chamber where. It's just anger and hate and this side and that side. But when you come down to just humans and you take them on the Supreme Court or you take you and Jim in the same room or who, people you meet on the street, you're not looking for a red or a blue sticker. You're yeah. people who yep. are living lives in the same realm. And I just wish we could look at each other more like that. But all of the warm snugglies are going to have to go away because uh, we are we do have a fight on our hands. Donald Trump, President Trump, will make his nomination uh, likely on Saturday, it sounds like, uh, for the next uh, Supreme Court justice. Uh, the Senate said they're going ahead, and Mitt Romney, who I think Democrats were really hoping and praying for, even though they don't hope and pray, right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> they're hoping to pray uh, in this case. <laughs> I only kid. It's because every time you write a tweet and you're like, oh, prayers to them, and they're like, prayers do nothing.
2: I shouldn't overgeneralize. I'm just talking about Herbert's. Whole policy, total policy, absolute policy. Prayers three times he's called for state of prayers. Zero times has he called for mass. <laughs> I'm calling him praying Herbert. All right, we're going to get to the that was quite for the segue. In just a minute,
1: I know we got to talk about this. So uh right now, Mitt Romney has he hasn't said he's going to vote. He's going to listen to whoever this is and listen to the hearings, but. Democrats, really, their last hope was whether Senator Romney would side with them and say, I'm not going to vote until after the election or after at least the swearing in. Uh, Your first, Greg, we've all heard the sound. Republicans and Merrick Garland, it wasn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're too close to an election. Yep. Uh, they've flip-flopped. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, let's, let me get to the heart of it okay. and the reality. I mean, there's, there's good reasons and real reasons. Uh, the real reason why you did not see Obama's nominee at the end of the last year of his presidency uh, have a hearing is that the Senate was controlled by the Republicans. And that it was their option whether to hear it or not. Uh, they had a very slim margin back then. In 2018, their margins, I think I think they gained the majority by a, a seat or a two seats yeah. or something like that, went from 51 to 53. Uh, this whole thing, whether it's today or if you go back in history, You can lay at the feet the control of the Senate being by either Republicans or Democrats, whether that hearing in that last year is going to happen or not. Um, And we can have a lot of other reasons why we think we can buttress it with, you know, the timing or, you know, Obama was finishing his second term. And this is a mid you know, this is a a current president seeking is that you could you can window dress it, but we're going to boil it down to that. And I will promise you that if it were a Democrat president and a Democrat-controlled Senate, you would see this nomination go through the exact same way because it is who controls the Senate by way of majority to make those decisions. And if it's a president of their party, they're going to usher that nomination through. Even the timeline, I think Justice Ginsburg, when President Clinton nominated her, it was 33 or 34 days, and I think she got one no vote, and there's no way those Republican senators concurred with her Jurisprudence or her, her I think leanings. it was
1: forty-three days it took. Yeah, yes, it, it.
0: But it is it. There's been ones I've I've seen the range of time. We're not in a time crunch. We have precedent all the way through on both sides of the aisle on this. It's just I can see why Democrats wouldn't want uh, the President Trump to make a nomination right now, and I can see exactly why uh, President Trump would. And it's it's that simple. And yeah. it would be the same if there was a Democrat in office and a Democrat controlling the Senate. It would be the exact same process.
1: So let's say that you were the Democrat in the Senate, Jim DeBacchus, and you had, um, let's say, Joe Biden, since he's running for president right now as your president. Would you be doing the same thing? Is it gamesmanship on both sides, or are Democrats more true to the faith and the words of the Constitution, which actually I don't think it says you have to wait? But would you wait because you felt like it was the right thing to do?
2: Look, let's get away from all the platitudes about virtue. In the U.S. Senate and talk brass tax. Let's do it. Where I fault the Republicans is in the sheer, absolute, total McConnell hypocrisy. If he would have stood up with that turtle face of his, and okay, said, let's not
1: be rude about the face that God gives people.
2: <laughs> let's go with you the fact. Unless it's yours, Jim. A result of a surgical mistake. Um, oh my gosh. It, however it's going, the point is. Yeah, Greg is absolutely right. They they don't play around. The power is there. But to have them whine and say, the reason we're doing this is because it's the final year and blah, blah, blah. And Lindsey Graham say, mark my words, if this ever happened, I would go the same way. It's sheer hypocrisy. That's why you should just never say that stuff.
0: Yeah, but but, it's a two-way street because the same Chuck Schumer back then saying it's our duty, we should be putting that nominee through right now is the one that's saying now we should wait. And it's even words of the late Justice Ginsburg said, you know, when when considering Obama's nomination, thought that that should go through uh, on his watch. So you have the Democrats now making the case the Republicans were making before. So Jim's argument about you know, good reasons and real reasons. Both parties are going to come up with good reasons. The real reason is who did the people elect by way of majority to control the Senate in this window of time, which is unique in your last year to make decisions like that. And then, and look, it's, it's now it's gone both ways uh, and both sides are making each other's case.
2: By way of, uh, votes for president. I can't remember. Um, the oh, electoral college went you for know, president
0: Hillary
1: Trump.
2: Yeah, but I
0: that, that want to there it down. wasn't a, a popular vote election. It was a vote of okay, the electoral yeah. college. It's a completely different day. process. Well, you vote key. you vote differently. <laughs> you campaign differently, <laughs> I should say.
2: Pun. You should uh, campaign
0: you yeah. campaign differently that way.
2: Here's what I've been thinking about though. What a, really one of the great presidents is Barack Obama, but he was a lousy politician in a lot of ways. I mean, Greg's making faces. He he was too wild-eyed an optimist. He actually (laughs) believed that if he picked a moderate, uh, sixty-three-year-old man that wasn't going to serve that long, he actually thought he could convince enough Republicans to go along and take that middle-of-the-road, moderate white guy. Blah 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 blah. You know what, Barack was never going to happen, never going to happen, and after seven years in the White House, he never quite figured that out. No, I think it was, actually, I think he was strategic about that. Had he picked a young, uh, fiery Sotomayor Ginsburg and put her out there, then he would have riled up all of those Democrats that stayed home and slept through Merrick Garland and who cared whether Merrick Garland got approved or not. And I'm saying it was a giant political blunder. And the president did that time and time again. I mean, the last year of his of his presidency, he was still arguing. He wasn't, but his people were that Rob Bishop is going to come through with a great program for public land in the Southern part of the state. Yeah, right. I, I'm just saying, Here's the thing you guys have to worry about, Greg, Republicans. The gloves are off, perhaps more now than at any time. Oh, yeah. You're
0: getting meaner now. Yeah. It. Here it comes. So, you did it now
2: you better believe we're going to push it and if that means court packing or whatever and we can maneuver around to do it
0: oh don't jim i'm going to tell you what every republican obama. knows
2: you know what? that's the way it goes what, i really hope what it doesn't you would go do, that way
0: you were going to do this is not the big linchpin that you it, that's i keep hearing that you the democrats i will give the democrats this this kudo if it is one but i think you take your power and you use it you passed aca obama He passed the Affordable Care Act without a single Republican vote, nor did he care if he ever saw one in the House or Senate. They had a majority in both, and he full well took advantage of that and passed that legislation without apology. Democrats, they do not mess around when they have the power. They do it. Whatever, Jim, whatever the politics look like uh, in 2021— you the they will do they will try to make whether it's puerto rico estate dc estate stack the court whatever those threats are that are coming across the 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 bow right now if democrats have power that's what they would have already attempted to have done this isn't some big trigger moment uh but i will tell you this and i'm not uh, maybe i am defending president obama the idea was they tried to say look if you don't nominate uh merrick garland is that his name merrick garland Garland.
1: He's probably um, at home kicking And he's, camps, and he's
0: moderate. Speak. You're going to get Hillary because she's going to thump Trump, and then you're going to get a far more liberal justice. So here's your bait. Here's the bait. Take it because it's I just better. wish
1: it wasn't bait because the idea of the Supreme Court is that there are no leanings, that you're a judge in there. And I understand that when you're trying to interpret the Constitution – or scripture, or the letter your wife left you on the counter in the morning. There's always room to wiggle in there. But I I would hope that these justices take their job seriously, and when they go there, they look at the letter of the law. And I think even, interestingly enough, in the last few months when the rulings came out this summer— there were some justices that I think people expected to rule in one way went in the other way, so you can't always so, uh, guess yeah. which way they're going to I, go. To
0: your point, um, yeah. I, I was at Justice Gorsuch came to BYU and, and spoke. Uh, he had a book that was coming out, and he was talking about that process. And he says that too often people do categorize the court by the the politics of the president that appointed that justice. And he, but he showed the statistics and showed that their their votes mix a lot yeah. and
2: it, and it well, isn't
0: as, as it's not as it's not as partisan as we tend to think it is uh i
2: think it is i mean uh, on the if you boil it down to the really important big long-term issues the numbers change if you, if you just take every row you know, well it um, is true every time the democrats attempt to throw
0: hard away hard or hard rip hard up our or constitution or whatever, it is the republican appointees that preserve the constitution it is true that is true jim i give you that
1: it's so, so much fun when that, he's on, with the Jim's phone. on the phone. you guys don't fight he's back. Not as much. He's got arm
0: length. There's no arm length here. He can't smack me. He can't right. try. I, it's I know. Great. We'll I see how it. this
1: goes. I'll be interested <laughs> to see. It does look like both women who are probably the front runners are both um, Catholic uh, women and moms. I've heard uh, the line of questioning for one. I just hope that religion doesn't become the litmus test because you're going to get well, that disappointed. That Democrats
0: are oh, out. Democrats hate Catholics. Again. Did you know that? Not since John F. Kennedy as a Democrat liked a Catholic. Yeah, not 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 politically. Too. Yeah, but you guys are going to go after Catholic faith. You're going to say that makes them too radical. We're going
2: after Catholics. We're going after people that put their faith and their religious the dogma ahead of the law. That's what. That's yeah. what we're going. John F. For. Kennedy we went under the, court suffered the same attacks. Based, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't. I think no American wants Supreme Court cases decide by somebody else's preachers. That's wrong. It's never been right in America, and it's a perfectly valid question to ask somebody. Does your faith overwhelm your ability to make a substantial and correct legal argument?
1: I would think a judge that at the point in their career where they're being considered as a Supreme Court justice, that they've proven that hopefully well, that isn't when, when, an issue. When John
0: F. Kennedy ran, they said, is the pope going to run the United States from Rome? And, and and John F Kennedy answered the question he said he wouldn't he is he, he would be he would make those decisions and i think you will get the same response from a justice uh, in a terms of their faith. she's
2: been a minor court uh, or a uh, a federal court judge for three short years she's 43 years old we don't know what her uh, what her her beliefs are and and it's a perfectly valid question to ask somebody that
0: but will you accept the answer? Because I, 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 fine, ask the question. Well,
2: if the evidence is there, I mean, just because they say it doesn't make it true. If they've ruled this way in previous court cases, or they have quoted from their religious leaders, that ought to be taken into consideration. We are not a theocracy. Mm, it's a slippery slope, to Jim. Check in your personal and your religious beliefs when you sit in that court and you look at the law. This is not a forum for you to go make
1: points with God. It is true, but I think that people's reality, how they were grown up and raised, whether it was with or without religion, it probably plays in your mind to some extent. We'll wait and see who gets nominated, and then we can fight about them later. Um, (laughs) Let me make a prediction.
0: Jim will pose the nomination. I'm just going to get wild here. I'm going to be clairvoyant. My prediction is— Whoever the president announces as his nominee on Saturday, Jim will be livid. Jim's going to lose his mind. I I just have that feeling. What if it's the Cuban
1: from Miami
2: that's a woman?
0: Oh, he'll be so angry.
2: Okay, we'll wait and see. I mean, I'm kind of betting he's going to pick her because ultimately Trump is a complete pragmatist and he would be happy to exchange a few hundred votes in Florida for a, uh, you know, 40 years on the Supreme Court. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm just kind of guessing that he's going to pick the Florida woman. But I'll tell you this, Barrett is dangerous. Oh. Dangerous. No.
1: This mom of seven, she looks like a wild woman. Yeah, All right, we'll wait and see. She might face. be dangerous. I don't know. I've never met her, and I don't know much about her aside from the news articles written. Uh, let's talk about COVID, because I know that always gets Jim so excited here in the state of Utah Um, The good news is more people are getting tested. Also, when you get more people tested, you probably get more positives. Uh, Today is our record high here in the state of Utah, 1,411 people with COVID. So there's a lot of people right now, but the good news is they're getting tested. Um, Unfortunately, we did have four additional deaths today, and our hospitalizations seem about steady. Last week, we were at about 10% of capacity. So I don't think we're at a point where we're thinking, oh my gosh, how can we handle these cases? Like to give you an update of my mom. She's back to substitute teaching. Oh, yes. Whoa, I lost my earmuffs. So, anyhow, uh, I shouldn't say how old she is or I'll get in trouble, but uh, she's of the age that sometimes you have to worry. And she is good to go and back teaching kids at school. So, did she
0: ever, may I ask it? If it's too personal, it's fine. Did she ever feel like she needed to go to the hospital? Did she ever contemplate?
1: She actually did go to the hospital, um, but not for reasons you thought. She got it as a stomach bug. And she has had previous heart problems, and she was having severe heart pain. So they went and checked that out, and they just said that whatever's the weakest part in your body, if there's something that's not great in your health, that they see that COVID attacks that. So she had one night where she was in a lot of pain, and then after that, it was just sort of mucking around, and her Hmm. stomach didn't feel good and was super tired. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good news. Good news, good news. Yeah, for sure. So we've got these numbers, and uh, Jim, are they stressing you out? Or are we okay because our cases are going higher, but essentially our deaths are not going higher, which is a good metric, but four people did lose loved ones today.
2: You know, they keep moving the target to meet whatever their uh, political objectives are. Herbert Cox, who's they?
1: I, I no one said it was a good I, thing I, today, I'm right say now. Herbert, okay
2: Cox, Trump. When, when Cox and Herbert came out initially on COVID, they said there's two things we've got to watch. The number of new cases and the, posit- and the positivity of the testing, because if, it's, if there's high positivity in the testing, it means that the virus is growing all across the state of Utah without, um, without knowing where the, where the hotspots are going to come. Well, Herbert was fine with that. And he set a goal of 400 cases, and they maneuvered things around. They got to that goal. But then when the spike came, he said, oh, no, 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 no. That's the wrong criteria. Well, all we're interested in really is the death rate. And so as long as that stays under 1%, we're going to be perfectly fine. Well, there's several problems with that, uh, of course. One is – we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. A lot of the young football players that were um, that were sick, there is a whole syndrome of what happens after you've recovered from COVID with bad hearts. It attacks the organs. We can't blithely say, oh, everybody just go get it. It'll be wonderful. We'll come up with a herd thing. One other thing I'll point out before Greg comes up with a bunch of numbers. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and that is, We've lost two, uh, 200,000 Americans so far to the disease. We have uh, 330 million people. So if you give it to the 60 to 70% of the people that would need to be covered to get to herd, we've only had, we only had less than 10% of the population that has actually got the disease. My point is let it spread wild. Let it go you're going to end up with 10 times the amount of deaths that we have right now. It's a hundred thousand. I said 200. Uh, So we're talking at millions of people across the state that the governor to make sure Cox gets elected, I guess. I mean, I can't understand why he would be only one of three states that don't have a mask mandate. Um, I, I am just saying this is a policy of political expediency to the detriment of thousands, okay. hundreds of thousands of people in the state of Utah and around the country. Before it's we despicable. let
1: Greg have his turn, something that I thought was interesting, I wish I would have brought the numbers in with me, but the CDC keeps uh, a metric of basically there's a certain amount of people that are born every day and or die every day in the United States of America. And at the peak over probably late spring, early summer, the death rate in the U.S., I mean it's, We went with COVID a teeny bit above that, but it looks to me when I was looking at those death rates that now with even all the deaths from COVID, that no more people are dying in our country than should be expected because people die of a myriad of different reasons of bugs and accidents and heart attacks and whatnot. So, I mean, there's reason to be concerned, but I think there's also reason to step back and say, you know, are we really, really focusing on this one thing that we're counting the numbers every day. And we don't realize that there's this many people dying in our country every day too. It was an interesting number. Yeah. And and that's, and I think
0: one of the biggest challenges with the with COVID uh, and how we as Americans get our head around what reasonable precautions and safe precautions we we should take is I think we are lacking data or what to compare it uh, against other things that we face in in terms of risk uh, viruses, you know, cancer, everything else. Let me share some statistics uh, from the CDC that you don't hear a lot. Okay. Okay. Zero to nine. So babies to 19-year-olds, the survival rate, according to CDC, 99.997%. 20-year-olds to 49-year-olds, 99.98%. This is survival rate of COVID. 50 to 69-year-olds. Now you're getting into the, the, you know, you're getting older. This is where you're seeing the numbers of those hospitalizations starting to grow. Ninety-five five percent survival rate and 70 years plus so 70 years of age and upward it is a 94.6 percent survival rate with that kind of survival rate we're talking about a virus that when we focus only on the infection rate we have we are limiting this economy and closing businesses or or interrupting commerce we are closing down or limiting access to our hospitals uh, the hospitals are not open as they usually are because they're worried about the overrun of COVID cases yep. that might come. And you have, a ho- you have your schools that tragically these kids uh, that need, that have parents that aren't, there isn't a stay-at-home parent home all day. That there are kids that need to go to school. We have closed these schools because of this infection rate at the expense of every other variable that we are facing. And I do not believe that makes for a safe public health uh, plan. The other issue is this. With, with what we're talking about, when you have more people being tested and you're finding that this infa- infection rate is more and it, and, it, and it rides right with the that you're willing to test more people so you're getting it more often, it means the pervasiveness of this virus is much more than we knew because you might have been asymptomatic. You might not have known. You might have been sick, but it wasn't that bad. It is true. The more people that find out they've had it or are being tested, the more we know it has been pervasive in this community. It takes that death rate and lowers it because you're you're realizing you have more people that had it that didn't have, didn't go to the hospital, didn't have an ICU bed or take up an ICU bed. So the more you test, if you find that that infection rate is going up, but you are not seeing the other consequences of ICU bed capacity being filled or deaths happening, that is not a bad sign. So I would just tell everyone, look, we have a virus that's in our community. It is highly contagious. It is I'm told by those that I know that have gotten this uh, virus that it it can beat you up pretty bad. We need to know that, but we've got to weigh that with the other uh, issues that we confront that are also public safety or public health related and um, and so I just think that we're all I do think that we're we're not Jim thinks that we're not draconian and and Wuhan China authoritarian enough. I think that we are one of the three states that doesn't have a mask mandate, however, You have South Dakota who doesn't have a state of emergency at all. And they are not an outlier in infections or deaths. And so they're not, they're trusting the people in South Dakota to take reasonable precautions. And their numbers uh, don't look any worse than ours.
1: So, Jim, do you accept any of these um, numbers he's giving you? Just
0: hit mute right now. Don't even Uh, let him talk anymore.
2: Why does he get to say anything else? We're not losing more people. Uh, than we than we do on the average. More people are dying in in 2020 than other years, and it's 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 a substantial number. Second, so if Greg, if you are really worried about opening the economy, getting our schools open, playing football, doing all of those things, we need to do the things that the states that have now less than one percent um, of a um, a, uh, po- uh, positivity in their testing, like New York. What we ought to be doing is hiring Governor Cuomo, getting oh. his butt out oh. here, and taking his advice. They when have the highest
0: death that? rate amongst at, senior centers. Over 1,000 a day. If it gets to 5,000, will that be a good idea? Or 10, the infection rate doesn't matter. You're looking at people the desk Jim, men, old people Cuomo as, sent the elderly um, people with know, COVID back into the senior centers. They, they have the highest rate of, of people that died from senior care centers in America by a lot. And then the AP found that they were cooking those numbers. They weren't counting the ones from the senior centers dying in the hospitals. They weren't counting those. And they were already, before they found out they were rigging those numbers, the highest in the nation. And let me tell you, you know why people in New York aren't getting it? They all left New York. They're all leaving it. They're going to Connecticut. They're going somewhere where their kids can go to school. They've left that state. That state is a, New York City is a wasteland, it's empty.
2: I'm going to have is. my daughter on about, as a guest host next week. talk about
1: South Korea. Oh, okay, hang on. We'll talk about South Korea in a second. But we all throw out these statistics and numbers, but my daughter's taking an interesting class in college right now talking about the media and statistics and the numbers um, that end up on TV and who's sending them and yeah. who's reading them and why we use them. But statistics are numbers that sometimes tell the truth, sometimes don't tell the truth. And I think yes. that's one thing that we have to lies, remember
0: Lies, damn lies, and statistics.
1: I know, especially with politicians. So South Korea, they had somebody South shot Korea. and killed by Kim Jong Un.
0: Yeah, Jim. Oh no,
2: what a terrible! Is that what you were going to tell us about, or That's what are not you going? Was going. Uh, South Korea, of course, had a terrible early infection. They got it under control, and they have maybe the free, certainly the free world's best surveillance program. So um, <laughs> it, it was interesting at a Starbucks there surveillance as far as the disease is concerned. Oh, I think so, you... a Starbucks there. 27 people, they traced an outbreak to one Starbucks over one short afternoon. 27 customers who went in there, took off their masks and had coffee or had something to eat, got the virus. Not one of the 11 people who were working there who, got ma- who had masks on got the virus. I mean, we can really stop this thing. If Herbert would stop kissing the butt of all those people in Utah County and Washington County and other places and say, you know what? Believe it or not, we're going to trouble you with this great trouble of putting a mask on for two whole months, complain and bitch about it all you want. We'll try to. And if at the end of two months uh, it's not working, we'll think about it. But what do we lose, for goodness sakes? I'll
0: tell uh, you what you do. Uh, it, look, please. if it's a safe Man, precaution, we'll take mask. it. Businesses have been smart. They, If they don't want their customers to come in without a mask, they ask them to wear a mask. People need to respect those businesses that ask uh, that you have a mask when you enter. Uh, we can do this without losing liberty. I mean, it, you know, we're in a state of emergency. That means that there's no checks and balances currently with a legislative branch and an executive branch. Wall Street Journal uh, editorial said it best. You know, this whole checks and balances and freedom, it's just not meant for the most convenient of times. It's actually supposed to be intact throughout uh, our experience here uh, in the United States. And so, look, we need to be sensitive of those things. But, Jim, it is hard for the American people to watch an image of Nancy Pelosi in an unguarded moment, not wearing a mask, walking around a salon, and at the same time, understand that she's telling every American, you should have a mask on in any building you're inside of. You should We should have a national mask mandate. When you see those leaders who do not adhere to the very mandates and commands that they are telling America they should be abiding uh, by, it doesn't feel like it's genuine. It feels like it, it does. It offends people's sense okay, of right and wrong.
2: Utah, you decide, will you make the sacrifice... And force everybody mandatorily when they're out in public. Like, for example, we have diseases all the time where we require people. We say to them, if you leave your house, you will be taken uh, and put and locked up with that. Um, that's what happens. Wait, you're going to lock up who? health system. That's to protect everybody. That's the way we play. And we did that in Utah. In 1918 and 1919, nobody said, well, what about the Constitution? You know what? Let's get the cases back down to four or 500 and then tell me all of your constitutional
0: instances. You know, sincerely, Jim, if I –
2: why yeah. it's wrong for our governor, unlike 47 other ones, to say – Come on! It's a small sacrifice. Everybody has to wear a mask when they leave their house to go to work. There's a we cynicism
0: the with this virus. Up, but Honest, we I, I have think people if
2: people that are so yeah. wacky political, wearing a mask has suddenly become some kind of a political blah blah blah. We need yeah. some guts. I think it's more than that not, too. If legislatively you legislatively and in the governor's office, we haven't had it. And that's why we're soaring, and that's why I predict this is just the beginning. But if when you have a mask mandate, Jim, would it really
1: work? Because look at all these parents at schools who are just feeling bad for their kids because they're missing out on homecoming, and they're renting their own venue and letting have kids have parties. Kids are wearing their masks at school. They have to. But when they go home, it's like Las Vegas. What happens there stays there until it doesn't. So I don't know how much a mask mandate would change some of those things, because if Kids or families make their own personal choices in a free country. Jim, I don't know. Yeah, and,
0: and Jim, I'll tell you, honestly, I th- if if what you are saying, everybody just go inside. Everybody wear a mask at, at every moment, even when you're in your car alone. Where everybody wear a mask. If I thought that a, a virus that we have no immunity against and we have no virus or, or treatments for, if when you were done doing that and you tried to resume your life, it, it would work, then maybe you would have a case. But I'm telling you that... You have to do what the president's doing. The president has Operation Warp Speed, where he's trying to get vaccines online for for people to to be able to use to try and protect themselves from it. We have treatments that are getting better and better with antibodies of those from blood of those that have gotten through COVID that are, are that are showing a good signs. I'm reading reports from doctors in New York City saying that the the, the virus now is not as severe; it's not hitting people. Hard is hard yes. than it was before. There's a lot more we're learning. I'm telling you that the way we're going to battle this is not to just command everybody to go inside and wear a mask. It, it sounds simple, but it is. I don't think it would work. And it, and it comes with violating people's you know rights and saying we're going to do it like China does it. I'm telling you that the way we're going to get through this is the way the president's pursuing it, and that is through medicine and through treatments. And really, he lets every state decide how they're going to manage their own state. I promise you if President Trump came up with a national plan, every Democrat in the world would be outraged by that national plan.
1: All right, last 20 seconds is yours. Jim DeBacchus, take it away.
2: The president's plan has been a complete disaster. There is no reason to believe that uh, this virus immunity and the vaccine is going to be here anywhere in the next year. And if it does come, there's a very good chance that it would be terrific if it's 75 or 80% effective. You well, since the, the flu, flu
1: shot's only around, 20 to 40% you, effective, probably not. You've got to get
2: rid of this virus, and that starts with masking. It's pathetic that the state of Utah can't uh, get where 47 other states and make these preposterous arguments.
1: Mask up Utah. Jim DeBacca is on the phone with us. Greg Hughes in the house. It's been a good one. We'll be back in the hizzy next Friday. Are we off. Uh, when-